We start this edition in Yemen. The poorest country in the Arab world has been brought to the brink of collapse by almost a decade of civil war. Back in 2014, Houthi forces, who were backed by Iran, seized the capital. A Saudi-led coalition supported by Britain and America intervened. But the Houthis have not been dislodged and still control Sana'a and the north, where most of the population live. There's been less violence since the temporary truce last year between the Saudis and the Houthis. But there's no sign of a comprehensive peace deal. Few places have suffered more than Taiz, a city uh, which for more than 3,000 days has been virtually besieged by Houthi forces. Our senior international correspondent Ola Guerin spent several days in the city's main hospital. Every second counts, and war has taught them to be quick. It has honed their skills. At Al Thawra Hospital, doctors patch up some of the latest broken bodies. This time, it's government troops hit by a Houthi drone. One soldier, called Omar, could not be saved. Another is rushed away for treatment elsewhere. Anyone can be a target here, not just men in uniform. Nearby, we meet Hanadi. Every painful step reminds her of the war. Her father struggles to pay for her treatment. She was shot in the back by a sniper, he tells us. That was in 2016, and the bullet is still lodged inside her. Are you very worried about the future for Hanadi? Yes, he says, I am worried for her because she's a girl. I wish it happened to me and not her. I wish the sniper had shot me and not her. This is the biggest hospital in a city that has been a battleground for years. These days in Taiz and in Yemen, it's not all out war, but it's not peace either. The guns are quieter, but this hospital is still receiving plenty of patients wounded by the conflict. Like Mohammed, who is seven. And crying for his mother. His dressing needs to be changed. It's hard for his father, Alwan, to watch. Mohammed lost three fingers when he picked up an explosive device. He was playing on the roof of his home. He's scared because his hand is gone. He's very scared. He can't do anything. He can't even hold a pen. In the hospital's busy prosthetics clinic, they try to replace what war has taken away. But these artificial limbs are basic, and it's traumatic, even for the doctors. It must be very, very hard for you to see the children like this. It's so bad. It's very upsetting. Our hearts ache when we see young children who are still looking forward to living and enjoying life, needing amputations. Next door, a regular physiotherapy session for Shaima Al-Ahmed, who has been walking this path for years. A landmine took her leg and killed her friend. 
Shaima is determined to be a lawyer and at 12 years old, she is the voice of a generation in Yemen. Children here suffer. They've lost their arms and legs. They don't go out and play like other children around the world. They play in comfort, but we play in fear. We just stand by the doors of our homes. When we hear shelling or gunfire, we run back inside. Shaima, what would you like to say to the international community, to the world, about what is happening here in Yemen? Why don't you see the children of Thais? Why all this neglect? Are we not humans in your eyes? Across town, an honor guard for Omar, the soldier killed in the Houthi drone strike. One more death in a long war. And few here see a chance for peace. Orlegiran, BBC News, Tyres. Uh, well, I spoke to the lawyer, human rights activist and member of the Southern Transitional Council, Saleh Al Ali Al-Nud. Uh, he thinks that to solve the crisis, uh, the world needs to accept that Yemen might stay divided between the North and the South. 21 million people uh, in need of aid. That's two thirds of the population. Uh, the UN uh, humanitarian response plan uh, estimated that $4.3 billion is needed for the next year. Uh, and so far, only 1.2 billion is secured. So the, the future looks very, very bleak uh, in terms of dealing with the magnitude of the of the of the crisis. And of course, the the the, the real problem is that there is no end in sight to this stalemate in terms of the politics and the lack of any real vision for what the end game is looking uh, like to be. Uh, and I can only imagine that uh, without a political resolution to the the crisis, I think the, the suffering will certainly continue. And that's what I want to, to get to. Uh, you know, what does the end in sight look like for the transitional, uh, the Southern Transitional Council? Because your president, President Al-Zubaydi, has said that the world needs to accept that there are now two realities uh, in Yemen, what's going on with the Houthis in the north, and then, of course, the other situation in the south of the country. Well, that's right. And uh, I think for far too long we've been advocating that the uh, quickest way to alleviating the suffering is to accept the realities on the ground, because they, the realities on the ground can be a mechanism for stabilizing the areas that, that can be stabilized uh, and not to keep one area hostage to the other. We think the South uh, should have been uh, dealt with differently. Uh, there should have been some real efforts towards re-establishing the uh, state institutions there and to allow the people of the South to really start to govern themselves. I think uh, one of the reasons why we've got ourselves to this situation is because the failed unity and the, the, the grievances of Southerners have not been addressed early on. So are you, uh, are you proposing a, a, a sort of almost split uh, like what we used to have in Yemen, uh, North and South? Well, the reality is that we are heading that way. Um, any uh, attempt to uh, try and formulate a solution that doesn't address the realities and the wishes of the people on the ground is only a recipe for disaster. And I think that many years have gone without recognizing that reality. That was Saleh Ali Al-Nud uh, from the Southern Transitional Council, uh, also a uh, lawyer.